Welcome, everybody, to the RV Podcast, Episode 394. And in this episode, we're going to learn about five tips, five maintenance things that every RVer needs to know. Welcome, fellow travelers. It's time for another episode of the RV Podcast. Answering your questions, sharing tips, suggesting great trips and off-the-beaten-path adventures, and always staying on top of the RV lifestyle news you need to know about with great interviews and inside industry information. Here's your hosts, award-winning journalists Mike and Jennifer Wendland. Hi, everybody. I'm Mike Wendland. This is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer and we are coming to you from the castle. <laughs> You're wondering what the castle is. This is our brand new Arcadia uh, 3250 rear lounge uh, from Keystone. It is <laughs> a fifth wheel. And I know a lot of you who have been watching us for most or all of these 10 years, you're still shaking your head. The Wendlands in a fifth wheel? Hey, I'm still shaking my head. It, me too. It's a big surprise for us and a big change of pace. But let's clear up something right at the start. Our wonder is sitting at home in the driveway. We just yep. got it back from the shop where we had it tuned up and it's raring to go. We are uh, still uh, owners of a small class C motorhome, our Lisa Travel Vans Wonder. Uh, we have, as we've explained before, we envisioned the fifth wheel as sort of being our base camp at uh, our Tennessee property and perhaps some property we're hoping to uh, to have in Michigan this year uh, and maybe a few other trips, uh, we are getting used to it. We are um, in the midst of it'll be about a two-week camp out with it where we're making it our own and learning all of its features. And uh, I know it's it's hard to think we're, we're in a fifth wheel, but we're in both. And, you know, another reason besides having this in Tennessee and our property uh, that we're going to get in Michigan is we need to know how how it is to tow. We need to know all about a fifth wheel because many of you are in a towable of some sort. So this is uh, us broadening our horizons, mm -hmm. uh, learning new things. And let's just be honest, having a really good time about it. It is roomy, I'll say that. Yep. Well, we'll say a lot more. We'll have lots of videos coming up. Uh, we'll show you a couple of side views of us inside now. And why are we inside? Uh, I know it's May, but it is a very cool 50-something degrees out there in Michigan where we are. It's camps very now. damp. You know what it's like when it's damp. Yeah. And uh, um, actually, I came out here and did some editing, some video editing today. Uh, uh, tomorrow, I'm out here. I've got projects to do every day. There's a little chalkboard. I don't know if you can see it over my head. And I really like that, by the way. That's a neat feature. That is a really great feature. We've talked about that as a tip before, having that chalkboard where you can make your grocery list or your to-do list, maybe places that you want to go see, all those things that you don't want to forget and you want it available, plus the address of where you're camped. I've got it. So that yeah. if there were an emergency... It's easy to just look at the chalkboard or some sort of wherever you want to tape a sheet of paper so that you know exactly where you are when you're rattled and 
under pressure. So we, we've written down our campground that we're in and our site number. So if you had to call for help, you just look at that. And, and uh, that's just a good tip that we pass on. But it's really neat. They build that into uh, the front of one of the cupboards. And on the other side, it's also a checkboard. So you, if you have stuff you don't want. Personal things. You don't yeah. want the whole world to see. Yeah. Yeah. More bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> more, no, we don't have that. But uh, uh, anyway, um, this has been a really busy week of traveling for us. Oh. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> well, that's why you have the chalkboard, too, so you know where you are. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Huh. Yeah. Um, so we're we're having fun with this thing. We have lots of videos to do, and you'll hear more about it. Uh, we have a very busy travel schedule coming up uh, this year. We've got uh, many trips that we're going to be taking, and we'll be telling you all about those. Meantime, though, let's uh, check um, uh, some feedback that we have that we want to share with you that we got from some of our uh, our listeners on things we've been talking about. All right. This first one is from Judy offering a suggestion about the discussion we had on our Ask Us Anything live show Sunday night about ground cover mats for RVs. Regarding your mat, Jen, if you don't have a case to carry it in, I have the largest garbage bag you can purchase. And when we are ready to depart, it is folded and stored in the bag until we get home. And taken it, you take it out, hose it down if necessary, and when dry, it's good, it's good to go. Also, the garbage bag is turned inside out, dried, and reused. Keeps the RV storage area cleaner, too. And that is a that great tip. Is a great tip. I guess we if have... we were back into the days of giving away something, that deserves a giveaway. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't ever think of that. Just put it in a big old garbage we've, bag. We've got one of those. We'd probably lose it and forget it. <laughs> we've got one of those big, I don't know what they call them, husky bags, huge bags that we used for lawn debris and stuff, and, and uh, it would fit in there. But this they is better out. because this is, it's, it doesn't take up that much room, and you turn it inside out. Even if it's not wet, if it's clean, it's still got a bunch of debris, and that debris gets it so dirty in there. That is an excellent tip. Thank you, Judy, for saying Awesome. That. And again, we we were talking about the mats. We were sharing that we <laughs> have done much too much shopping and spent a lot of money over the last week oh. after we got this, you know, getting everything from dishes and cooking utensils. Yes. When I was checking out of, I don't know if it was Meyer or Walmart, they said to me, are you getting a new apartment? <laughs> <laughs> yes, kind of we are. It just oh. moves around a lot. Um, but, oh my gosh, it's like it's like equipping a new home. And we've done this now. You, you said we've had 10 RVs, I heard you it's the other day. It's crazy. We've had a lot. And, you know, even when, with the Class Bs, we had about what, seven Class Bs. You'd be one, and another, and another. Yeah. What you had, the wastebasket, the whatever, it doesn't fit and you end up having to figure out what does fit. If people always ask us, you know, why do you guys change RVs so much? Well, because this is our business, and uh, you know, we use an RV. We really do a lot of reviews, and usually we sell them after a couple of years, so we can learn about another kind of RV. And here we are, and I'll learn about fitness. Look, we still have truck campers to get, and uh, maybe an airstream. What else? Uh, who knows? <laughs> Always wanted an airstream. Yeah. Uh, who knows is right what we're going to get. Yeah. But um, they're really, there's so many different things in different RVs and storage spaces and what I, works and what doesn't work. And you send us questions and sometimes we do a little research for you, but I hate saying, I don't know, I've never used one of those. So 
Um, we've learned all about towing, <laughs> all about auto leveling one of these. Yeah, I uh, mean, I, I drove this. She did, we I went, went to, to driver's, driver's school. school. And I only got up to 40 miles per hour. But, you know, maybe because that person was sitting there who I knew knew what he was talking about. And he had me feel the manual putting on the brakes. Yeah, the brake the, controller. The brake controller <laughs> and told me about wide turns and checking the center line and the white line on the side of the road. And uh, I, I mean, I drove it and I thought, you don't even know it's back there. Yeah, that would be a video we have coming up. I, gotta, I forgot to put that on the chalkboard. Oh. Uh, Jen goes to driving school. Uh Jen and, and Mike. Yeah, I did too, but I'm just going to say you did because I did most of the video work sitting in the back seat, biting my fingernails down to, as you drove. No, you did great. And you were very surprised how easy it was to drive I was it. amazed. I never would have believed it. And we'll do, we'll have, we've got lots of videos planned for this summer, so keep keep coming. Uh, another piece of, of uh, feedback, and this one is from Lisa, and she says, contacting uh, you guys about the high cost of buying an RV. I just wanted to share our hunt for a wonder. She's buying a wonder, uh, leisure travel vans, class C. Our local dealership, and the wonder is on back order, as most of them, for a long time, uh, a couple of years at least. Our local dealership wants $5,000 deposit based on the current price, which is $178,000. And listen to this, and will not guarantee that it will be the same price when it's time to pick up. For a 2024 model delivery, we were warned that the price may be over $200,000. So basically, we would be locked into a blank check, and that is just crazy. So we've given up on an LTV Wonder or Unity, and we are now shopping for other brands in smaller Class Cs. The top contenders are still on the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter chassis. Thanks for all of your pointers on the RV lifestyle. Can you imagine that? That the wow. wonder is going to, the, that dealer at least is saying it may be over $200,000 wow. in 24. Well, wow. no wonder we have so many people wanting to buy our wonder. Yeah, I've mentioned that we're probably going to sell our wonder. And, uh, and you know, right now we're we're hoping still that we could get Alicia Travel Vans Unity. But again, there's no guarantee on any of that. We, You know, we're going to get another motorhome of some sort, another Class C. Maybe even now that we have this, it's a little bigger, maybe another Class B. I don't know. So we will be selling it uh, sometime this year. But man, it looks like our value has gone up, huh? And then we're going to have to ask more because it's going to cost a lot for whatever for us, we get into. Yeah, so it's crazy. I it, know. It's crazy times. Uh, I will never recover. I never in a million years thought that we, for our truck, that we would pay over the sticker truck. On a used truck. For a used truck. We paid over the new sticker on a year-old truck. Now, that said, it's a great truck. I have really enjoyed it. And you've enjoyed it. Yeah. It's yeah. so comfortable. I just don't, can't think about it. Yeah. I just have to think how grateful I am that we have a truck. Yeah, we got a truck. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's been... I mean, I got to say, on my wish list, there was never a truck. Yeah, there was never maybe a fifth a wheel either. I'm always kind of thinking that, you know, maybe a Jeep would be fun. Well, you know, that's another RV. We didn't ever... We haven't... Another we haven't ever had a Class A either. So maybe on the Class A we get, we can get you a Jeep to tour. tour. <laughs> All this know. is to say... We see a lot of years of RVing in our We're future. We're hoping still. for a lot of years. We're, yeah, we see it. We hope it. Who knows? You know. But yeah, that's nobody's our nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. Nobody's guaranteed, and and uh, you know. Uh, but but that said, we still have a Class A's, uh, an Airstream, and a, a truck camper that we can a trailer. Try. And then well, yeah, we I had think a trailer. We left out those little sporty guys. 
that you have the small Oh, the, car. the expedition one? Yes. And the you expedition vehicle. You go up vehicles. the ladder, it's like in Africa, and then you sleep up in the top oh, because of dangerous the tents on animals top. and snakes and overlanders. Business. Yeah, overlanders. I, don't, I think we'll pass on that one. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, when we come back, uh, an interview we did last week down in Goshen, Indiana at the Keystone Factory, we interviewed two master RV techs. Uh, you're going to really love meeting these guys. And uh, we got them to give us five tips that every RVer should know. Stick around, get a pencil and paper, take some notes. I think you're going to enjoy this interview coming up right after this. Tired of overcrowded campgrounds, competing for reservations, paying high fees for sites? Well, ownership is an emerging trend in RVing that might be right for you. On May 21st, there is a big lakefront sales event at the Landings in Tennessee. Jennifer and I visited the Landings just west of Nashville, and they offer incredible lakefront RV properties up to 70 times the size of a typical RV lot with frontage on the biggest lake in Tennessee. We loved it. The scenery is breathtaking, and you own it outright. It's not a timeshare. It's your property, your way. You can have your own private dock. You can landscape, garden. They're pet-friendly. It's gated and secure, and they have high-speed internet, even free RV and boat storage. It's a wonderful place to make your home base. No more calling around for reservations. It's ready whenever you want. Dockable lakefronts start at only $59,900. There's financing and big discounts on multi-lot packages. For information, visit rvlakefrontland.com. That's rvlakefrontland.com. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, and there's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, uh, we have so much fun with uh, Camping World, and as we talk about it as one of our sponsors, they have agreed to offer a 10% discount if you use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you buy $99 or more in merchandise. You'll find everything you want from outdoor furniture and appliances, the ones you see us use in our videos and we talk about here in the podcast. RV extras that include everything from camping chairs to fire pits, electrical accessories, must-have gadgets. Check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com. Welcome back. And now it's time for the interview of the week. And I know you're going to learn a lot and just benefit from this interview. Well, we were down in uh, the uh, Elkhart, Indiana, RV capital of the world region last week. Uh, we interviewed uh, two stars in the RV tech field. You, you will know them maybe from their YouTube channel. We'll put a link to their channel in the interview. Uh, but uh, I think you're going to find uh, Bart and Matt are two master RV techs who have a, just a, a great to-the-point way of getting across technical information that every RVer should know. So when we were down there, we got a chance to meet the two guys, to talk to them, and to uh, come up with, uh, have them come up with a list of five things that they think every RVer needs to know. So without any further ado, Bart and Matt. Guys, it is a pleasure to, uh, to have you on the program. Hi, thanks Hi, for having us. What is the one thing that every RVer needs to know at the very top of their mind for maintenance, for safety, for security? Tell us uh, the first thing. 
The first thing you would want to know for maintenance of your RV is seal integrity. Your sidewall and roof seals so that you keep water out of your RV because that, uh, that's an inconvenience uh, for service and a possible trip to the dealership. So walk us through what do you mean by checking the roof? I mean, sure, we, no we have problem. a new RV, we shouldn't be leaking, right? You know, absolutely. But uh, what happens with sealants used on RVs today is when they have UV exposure, they will shrink over time. So what we as an RV owner want to do is just periodically get up on the roof and we will inspect for any seal voids in the roof, sidewall, or slide outs and we catch them while they're small. And if we find those voids, we'll want to just get some sealant and repair them. So we're talking about cracks in the ceiling. Yes. Mm -hmm. Cracks in the ceiling, visible cracks. How often do we have to, to check these? Um, for uh, about three months, every six months. Yeah, every three to six months, just on a Saturday morning when you're mm -hmm. doing coffee and you got a few extra minutes. I guess the question this non handy handyman has is, okay, I find some cracks up there. What do I do then? If you do find cracks, you would want to get either a roof sealant if it's on the roof, uh, depending on the roof you would have. Uh, at Keystone, we use alpha, so you would want to get an alpha sealant, and you would want to just peel off the cracked area and then just reapply over that area with some new sealant. They can go to any of the big box home improvement oh, stores? Um, I, I would say any of your RV stores or any of your local stores that carry RV supplies. All right. Roof, big problem if you don't take care of them. Oh, yeah. Big expensive problem if you don't take care of it. All right. All right. So that's the first thing. Uh, second thing we want to uh, be mindful of is our sewer system, our tanks, our holding tanks. And we want to make sure that we use the uh, right cleaner and uh, deodorizer. Again, you can buy those at any uh, locations that provide camping products. Uh, and it doesn't matter which brand you use, just read that label's um, directions for use, use it properly. And then I like to put in, uh, you'll see me say this on any video I do, lots of water, mm -hmm. lots and lots of water. water. Don't skimp on the water. Mm -hmm. uh, when you say lots of water, uh, you flush the toilet twice? What do you, what do you, what well, do you by do? lots of water, what I want to the RVer to know is that when you use your camper, we want you to have all your termination valves closed while you're camping so the water can build in the tank. So at the end of your stay, you want to be able to dump your tank, and that can't happen if there's no water in the tank to dump. And that water is what carries away all the solids and the toilet paper. There are a lot of RVers who think that, well, I got to get that stuff out of there as fast as it comes, and they, they just empty too soon without Correct. enough water, and then things cake on. Mm -hmm. This yes. stinky problem. Take on, build up, it doesn't smell good, and uh, using more water versus less water is just a way for you to have a more successful camping trip with less things to come up as problems. And these uh, these deodorizers, they really do work? No, yeah, they no. actually really do. It amazes me that we're asked about toilet paper because you spend all this money on an RV and then you decide you're going to save money by buying your favorite toilet paper for your house. So don't do that? No, don't do that. Um, 
Uh, an RV sewer system is just a little bit different and the toilet paper is made just a little bit different. It is typically a single ply, which means it can dissolve really quickly. So if you're just on an overnight stay, no problem. It can dissolve and flush away nice and easily versus your favorite three, four ply that's cushy soft. <laughs> so at a lot of RV campgrounds, I will see people with their sewer hose connected into the drain and they have left the uh, the termination valve open, so it just whatever they put in the toilet or the gray tanks flows right out. Uh, is that a good idea? It's actually not a good idea because any solid you would then put in your black tank during your stay is just going to fall to the bottom and dry and build a mound, and that's not what you want. So we recommend that those termination valves stay closed the duration of your stay and that before you leave we actually recommend that you put more water in so that when you do pull that termination valve it is a nice little river flowing everything away down the drain. What's uh, tip number three? Okay so tip three would be we want to make sure that you are safe in your RV and when you're towing with a truck and a travel trailer we want you to be mindful of the speed that you're driving because RV tires are rated different than truck and car tires. And it doesn't mean you can't have a nice, safe, fun trip, but we want you to be mindful of your speed and also be mindful of how much your RV weighs. It's pretty easy to overload an RV. So when you do uh, get your rig set up with all your favorite stuff, uh, we just ask that you maybe run across a cat scale anywhere, any truck stop, and just make sure that you're under that posted weight on the um, fed sticker on the side of the trailer and on that fed sticker you can get the speed that your tires are rated for and drive in that range where, where do you find those stickers they're posted on the it, driver's side of every every one of our rvs okay so it normally lists, towards the front and it lists all those specs that people need to know yes big question is air pressure yes Okay, so we definitely recommend that you check your air pressure every trip. And the reason for that is underinflation, overinflation can cause premature wear, or if it's in a hot environment, say uh, Arizona, Texas, where it commonly gets 105, and then you're driving at an increased speed with a fully loaded RV, it, what it does is it creates air pressure to increase in your tires and it just makes a situation where you want to stay in a safe range. So we ask that our customers read the placard on the Fed sticker on the side of the RV, follow that speed for a nice safe experience. Uh, when you say underinflated, overinflated, uh, how many pounds can is the variable there? Because few of them are gonna be exactly that. Yeah, they're not gonna be exactly, but if you can stay within 10 pounds, you'll be okay. Yeah, 10 pounds up or 10 pounds down, yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah. I have to ask about speed. How okay. fast we should be going, a towable versus a motor home. Tell me about the tires and speed. Okay, sure, glad to. So first thing I wanna say for everyone is please follow the speed limit, okay? Because although your rig may go a little faster, you certainly don't need the inconvenience of uh, your favorite man in uniform calling you over for a conversation. Well, you know, but the, the, the reality is, is that out on those roads, 
okay. very, very few people go the speed limit. Uh, uh, so. We understand that. We're going to always encourage that you do drive the speed limit just so for the primary reason of safety. Number one, we want you to get where you're going. And number two, we want you to enjoy it when you get there. So we, we do everything we can to keep you on the safer side of things. So the, the motorhome tires are typically bigger than a camper tires. And the second aspect of towing is when you tow with a truck and a camper, you have two different vehicles. You have the camper, which is on its own set of tires. Those tires are rated for that camper. And then the tires on the truck is rated for the truck. So you just want to be mindful of what you're towing and whereas on a motorhome all the tires are the same for that for that motorhome. They're rated for the weight of the motorhome. And isn't it true that on whatever you're towing the, those tires are not the same. They can't go as fast. As that is correct. Your so truck. your camper tires are not rated or made to go as fast as the truck's tires are rated and made. It's a different compound. It's a different load rating. RV tires are meant to handle the load of the camper as, it's, as it has your uh, personal belongings in it. And it has a raid that is safe accordingly to, to the load of the trailer itself. So we want to, and we, we ask everyone to please be mindful of the speed even though you're excited to get where you're going and we can appreciate that. Okay, what's driving me crazy is why don't we put bigger tires on what we're towing? That, but that, is, that must not be the answer because it hasn't been done because people would pay a few more dollars to have a bigger tires so that your tow vehicle or your truck and your whatever you're towing sure. could go the same speed. So big, bigger really isn't the answer. What you want, <laughs> is, what you want is safety. You, you do want safety. So what we put on is engineered and rated to be safe for both the speed and the weight of the RV. Because our number one priority is that RV you spent time and money getting, getting a hold of to go have a good time is safe and reliable for you to use. So we, we have engineered it and built it that way. All right, I'm gonna put, put you on the spot. Matt, mm -hmm. putting you on the spot. Okay. I have a, we have an Arcadia fifth wheel, 32 feet long, towing it with the truck, how fast can I go on that? Uh, it rides pretty good, pretty fast. What? What? I mean, if I had a rig like that behind me, I'd probably do sixty-five. Sixty-five? Yeah. Have you been on our freeways lately? <laughs> yeah, I've done some traveling. We're talking road rage behind me. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, have you driven back and forth just from right. South Bend to Goshen every day? That's what I do. You're gonna have a real rough time yeah. going sixty-five. Yeah. I'm working I'm on it. I mean, but 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 this is. You got a lot of weight behind you, and you get that thing out of control, and it's going to be a nightmare. So yes. the tires should not really go much. Sixty-five. Can I do seventy? No, I, I don't think you should. If something or unforeseen happens, a deer crosses the road, mm -hmm. you want to be able to stop that truck and trailer combination. And if you're going 80 or 90, you're just not going to be able to manage that much weight. And a good reference is semis when they go too fast and they struggle to slow down when a car pulls out in front of them or what have you. So for them, it's a real situation. And we're trying to help. Yeah, we know we're the advocates of bad news, but we want everybody safe. Is the tire on a fifth wheel or a towable, which we've already said are smaller than on a motorhome, uh, are they are they sort of limited in that speed in their capacity? I mean, well, they're not limited. They're engineered to carry the weight of the RV 
independent from the truck. So the, the way I teach it is the truck is responsible for the truck, the trailer and the trailer brakes are responsible for the trailer. And so if you put that trailer in an undue, undesigned environment, it won't perform as well as the environment it was designed for. What's number four in, a, in maintenance, DIY, the things that every RVer needs to know and do? Uh, number four would be uh, slide out maintenance. Slide out maintenance. So that you have always good functioning slide outs. And the main thing on slide outs that we want everybody to be mindful of is uh, in a campground setting, uh, wherever you are, tree limbs, debris that blow, mm -hmm. Uh, you didn't hear it hit the roof of the slide. You run your room in when it's when you're all done, ready to go. And that debris is on the roof and it rips and cuts the seals as it pulls the box closed. It, sure. can, also, it can also lead to water damage. It, uh, that you, you pull that slide out in and you get pine cones up underneath there. It holds those flap seals open. And even the slide out might not close completely because it's being held out. So get up there, Clean uh, it off. brush it off. We need yeah. a little you might need a five six foot step ladder and yeah you could use a broom you could use a blower um, something that's not going to damage your roof while you're doing it do modern slides need to be lubricated at all that rubber coating okay i'm going to personally recommend that you don't use a lubricant at all so that you don't um, get any kind of uh, airborne debris accumulating on the seals so for us, we just recommend clean and dry. And if they're good, clean and dry, they'll perform like they should to shed water for you. Um, for those in northern climates, they're camping, it snows, they get a lot of snow on the RV. Um, they have to brush that off before you bring the slides? They don't have to brush it off until they're ready to move. Okay. So as long as they're where they're at. Yeah, it's fine for the snow to accumulate. Snow can be an, an issue, though, on the roof. If, if you're getting two and three feet of snow, yeah, that, that could be a bad situation. And if, and if you felt like you were getting too much, you could get up on a ladder and, a, and not and being safe and use a broom to shovel off some of that snow or push off some of the snow. I think a couple of inches on the roof, and people are always saying, what about their solar panels on the roof? Same true, yes. If it's snowing on your solar panel, uh, until you remove that snow from the panel, it's not going to function. All right, we've hit four topics, and we've been all over the place. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> on those four. But uh, how, about, how about a fifth one? Let's talk about washing your RV efficiently. So um, depending on the size of your RV, you can spend quite a bit of time on it and it doesn't need to be that hard. So one of the things we like to recommend for everyone is to A, don't use a power washer because a travel trailer fifth wheel uses a lot of graphics. And if you have the vinyl graphics on your rig, a power washer, if you're too close or that washer is robust enough, you can blow the sticker right off the well, side Well, that would apply to motorhomes, too. As well. It would they, apply they to motorhomes yeah. as well, yeah. absolutely. And, and then if you have a uh, camper that's a, a full paint unit, well, then that's not so critical. Uh, the second problem is water spots. So I, I RV as well, and uh, I do not like water spots. So it's a little pet peeve of mine. So mm. I don't use a garden hose with a sprayer and a foam, a bucket of soap and water. Because although it cleans all the dirt off really nice, 
at the end of it, now I'm looking at a beautiful, clean, dry, spotty motorhome. And cleaning that off windows, no fun. So I use a, um, an extension brush and a wet, dry mop system to where I'll use like a microfiber pad on one side of the brush and I'll clean an area, like say the rear wall first, and then I'll flip it over, the pad over, and dry it real quick. And that way I got a nice clean unit and I don't have water spots. Now is there a particular one you buy or is that you just, uh, you just... no you can again uh, your favorite place to shop for RV products it doesn't have to be RV related uh, the key is that whatever you use for a soap is just a mild soap that won't attack the you know the paint painted surfaces mm -hmm. um, a mild soap microfiber or cloths are just wonderful to work with and they're reusable you can wash them at the same time with washing, it's a good time to look at your seals too while you're going around and doing that. Because um, you don't want to get water in a compartment door or in any of your unit really. So that's a good time to inspect that as well. You said no, no power wash. That, that include most car washes and do-it-yourself car washes. Yes. Yeah. Now yeah. we don't mind if you use a power washer or a garden hose with high pressure for the frame and tires. So if you've been in a muddy area and you got the undercarriage all pretty, pretty well full of dirt and mud, no problem. You can wash those areas. Uh, but what we're focusing on is the spots on windows because it's now you're just washing your rig twice. You wash it, it takes a few hours, and now you got to come back and redo the windows. So with the wet-dry method, you, you don't have to do that. Well, this has certainly been uh, a very educational session. This is going to be a whole new life experience for us because we've had the motor home and you always believe that when God wants to wash it, it'll get washed. <laughs> it's called rain. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, uh, thank you so much oh, for uh, making for time with in. us. And uh, this, this is very helpful for all of us, uh, particularly uh, me in controlling my lead foot wife. <laughs> Thanks for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks. Well, I got to say... I learned a lot more than I thought I would learn. You know, I thought it was just going to be another interview about stuff I've known, but Bart and Matt. Uh, I, I learned a lot. Plus, it was fun. It was a, it was a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, and that's just really great uh, practical information. So I hope you guys uh, uh, found it as interesting as we did. We will put a transcript of the interview on our show notes. You can find that on our lifestyle, rvlifestyle.com uh, travel blog, rvlifestyle.com. And uh, we'll put the transcript there. And we'll also uh, put a link to, uh, to Bart and Matt's uh, channel where you can see other things that they have put up uh, from uh, Keystone, where they work, Key Keystone RV Company, on uh, just uh, uh, basic maintenance and things uh, that every RVer can do. Uh, they were a lot of fun, and we enjoyed, uh, enjoyed meeting them. Hey, uh, we will be right back. And when we come back, we've got your questions for us. So stay with us. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battleborne batteries. Battleborne batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And battleborne batteries are protected by a 10 year guarantee. Now, in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig, too. 
Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborn batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. rvlifestyle.com slash lithium. All right, it's time now for the questions of the week. Your questions to Jen and I, and we do love to get your questions and your comments. You can send them to them. That's our our uh, personal email, Mike and Jen at rvlifestyle.com. Who's that first question from? Our first question is from Kathy, and she says, My husband and I watched your YouTube show talking about traveling the Natchez Trace. We do not have an RV, but wondered if we drove our vehicle, if there would be lodging along the way, would we be able to stop and enjoy this drive? Thank you so much. Yes. Go into the different towns, and there are all kinds of places to stay. Check it out. Make your reservation. You're going to have fun. Yeah. uh, Now, our Natchez Trace uh, travel book is kind of geared for RVers because we give you places to camp. But in those communities that, that surround the trace, you know, the trace runs straight on through 444 miles, beautiful country, no commercial uh, traffic at all, no billboards, uh, just scenery and history. But there are uh, exits along the trace uh, all the way from Natchez, Mississippi up to Nashville, Tennessee. There's exits into nearby communities. And in those communities, you'll find bed and breakfast, you'll find lodges, you'll find resorts, you'll find hotels, you'll find motels, you'll find cabins that you can rent. So lots and lots of places. Uh, and, and if you use our guide, our, our seven-day adventure guide to the Natchez Trace, you can probably pick the communities that you think would be a great place to stop. You can follow our guide and, and do all the stops on the Natchez Trace in any kind of a vehicle. It doesn't have to be an RV. And then uh, just find your own lodging uh, just by uh, getting in uh, on Mr. Google and uh, uh, looking for lodging in those communities. So it's a great trip. And this is the perfect time, don't you think, to take mm-hmm. the Natchez Trace? I do. Yeah. Uh, second question uh, for today comes from Paul. And Paul writes this. We are about to order an RV and request your input about boondocking and air conditioning and how much solar, battery, and inverter power they're going to need. They'll be camping a lot in the southwest and south. Well, I'm going to rain on your parade a little bit, Paul, and don't expect to be boondocking off the grid and be able to run your air conditioner like you would want to. Uh, If you have enough solar and enough uh, lithium batteries and a big enough inverter, you can probably run your air conditioner for a couple of hours. Uh, You can't run it much more than that. And there's all these people out there making claims that you can run your air conditioner all night long. Well, not very well. Not unless you have this massive solar display on your roof. So um, you're gonna have to get the idea of boondocking off the grid and running your air conditioner with solar now it's a little easier in uh in uh, a small unit you know maybe a class b uh, and if you don't bring a, a big air conditioner uh maybe you can get a few more hours out of it but you would need to have about 1200 watts of solar and, and at least um maybe 400 amp hours of lithium batteries 
and at least a 3,000 watt inverter to be able to run your air conditioner most of the night. That's just out of roof space. Most people don't have that much roof on an RV. Um, again, the Class Bs, if you have a small Class B with a smaller air conditioner, if you have the soft start on the air conditioner, yes, you can get a little bit more time. You can get a couple, three hours maybe, um, but that's not all night long. So uh, it's, just, it's just a fact of life. You know, I'm thinking about this. I have never seen a ceiling fan in any type of RV. Have you ever seen one? Oh, I think we did in some of the big Class A's. Yeah, some of the big Class A's have them. But some something... of the big, big uh, fifth wheels have them. But I can see the need for a ceiling fan. I mean, personally, I have a battery-operated fan. It's a pretty good size. Runs on D-cell batteries. Yeah, yeah. D-cell batteries. Not that using batteries is the best option. And we have a little fan that we use often, well, just about electric, every night. Uh, uh, there are 12-volt fans, so you can run a little bit off of your coach batteries, uh, you know, off your engine batteries as well with a 12-volt system. And the 12-volt system will, will power up, you know, small little things, but... To do a lot of um, air conditioning uh, on a, and boondocking off the grid, you're not going to get a lot of time. And if you deplete your batteries, it's going to take you know a long time, at least a full day or half a day's driving to completely top them off again. So I, I hate to rain on anybody's parade, but there's just a lot of unreal things that are being said out there about solar and about lithium. They're great. We wouldn't be without them. They make us uh, able to boondock off the grid for a long period of time. We just don't run our air conditioner a long period of time. And we don't go where it's really hot. Yeah, we try not to. Uh, we try and do our southern trips in the winter, and we try and do uh, the uh, you know, northern areas. Uh, you know, Even up here in, in Michigan in the summertime, it's, it's, it's in the 80s and 90s Then you sometimes. get the bugs out there. You don't want to go outside. Yeah, so anyway, that's, uh, that's all. Do you have a question? Do you have a comment you'd like to make? Uh, you can reach us, Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. Uh, all right, that's uh, the show for this episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. Don't forget to, to subscribe to this podcast. And when you do, if you give us one of those five-star reviews, it really helps uh, with all the different uh, podcast apps and telling people about the, uh, the RV podcast. So please give us a nice review and, uh, and uh, be sure and subscribe too. We're Mike and Jen. Thanks for watching. Happy trails.